Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavy metal. The way it was meant to be.
Uh, you know, I needed a fix of Ronnie James Dio today, and I also needed a little fix of Black Sabbath, so that's the best thing about him being in the band. And I know Ozzy's the original singer, and, you know, Black Sabbath is Ozzy with with Ozzy, but to me, it's always been Ronnie James Dio. That's how I came into the band, and that'll always be my favorite Black Sabbath era. So right there, that was I off the Dehumanizer record, and Ronnie's uh, <laughs> widow, I should say, is putting out another Ronnie James Dio tribute record, or just another Ronnie James Dio record in general. And, you know, it's great that these albums come out because it keeps the legacy alive. But, man, she's overwhelming everybody. It's just like one after the other. So, T, you're back, buddy. How are you? Hey, guy. How's it going, man? <laughs> I thought maybe you lost the nominal the last couple of months. I think that's what it was. Oh, I'm glad you found it. <laughs> I know. I'm disconnected from the Internet, but as long as the right, well, phone's working, I'm good. That's all that matters. You know, I was just saying, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Wendy D was putting out a new uh, tribute right. record to Ronnie Clark. I think it's This Is Your Life. And there's a lot of great bands and artists playing on it. So that's a pretty cool thing. But, it man, she's just, like, she's just like one after the other. It seems like every time you turn around, there's a new record out. Yeah, and then she's on, under the guise that, you know, portion of it is going to go towards the uh, Stand Up For Cancer or whatever the... Uh... Yeah, the charity I have, yeah. The charity that they that he's that they she's put together and, and calling her a widow is like kinda like what? You know? Yeah. Uh, I had another word coming out but I figured, you know, hey, you gotta be kind because you never know when you're gonna use somebody from her to come on the show, so Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you gotta so be you can say ex manager or you know, manager that, of That's right, I should have said that. It would have been a better choice of no, words. I'm not but... saying you, I'm saying the media has actually even though you're part of the media, but the regular media has called, you know, said uh, widow and manager, you know. Yeah, I know. Well, it's an interesting-looking record, and uh, I know Michael Lando was on there from Adrenaline Mob, and Mike is actually on the show the week after next, so uh, looking forward to having him back on here again. And I was looking to tell you, you know, Carl Kennedy from The Rods is our, is our first guest tonight. He'll be calling in live in about... 15 minutes or so, and after that, we have uh, Matt, Devlin, Ray, John, and Fred, the entire band of Hearst Power, a brand new band out of Arizona. These guys are real, I'm telling you, you know, I don't get into a lot of new music, but these guys really kick ass. I mean, they really went, like, old school, be like a modern old school. I ah. mean, they kind of bring up, you know, Motorhead and, and, and Judas Priest and I, a little bit of everything in their music, yet it's really new and That's fresh, good. and I'm looking forward to everybody hearing it, and we're going to dig that. So, stick around to, you know, the second half of the show is 7.30, and, you know, February's half over, T. We're already in the second week of the month. It's a short month, you know? Yeah, only 28 is that why? Is that why it's Black History Month this month? We should have played some black heavy metal bands, I guess, right? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I did play Living Color last week, but I didn't have anybody lined up this week. But, you know, got to feature the music this month. It's their month, you know? When, when is our month? When, when, when is White History Month? When is our month? Is that next month, or is that sometime in the summer? Uh, according to the media, it's every month. Besides, oh, it's every month? Oh. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't get that memo. <laughs> Did you? No, you won't get that memo. That's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, not saying, know I'm, not saying anything, I'm not saying anything bad about blacks. I, you know, I love the blacks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around. <laughs> no, I'm so pro-black, black, I wonder if it's not out of the aspirin bottle. What's the blacks in American history? As far as music history goes, I mean, we wouldn't have the blues, we wouldn't have rock and roll. So we right. have to say that. I mean, let's not even, you know, it, it's it's not really it's not really a color; it's a culture thing. You know. That's right. That's right. You know, we don't like hip hop. We don't like white guys in hip hop either. 
That's even so, worse. As, as no. far as I don't, I don't know. You know no, I I agree. I, I don't we, get this we, whole Macklemore thing. This Ryan Mac, whatever freak this guy name is. Yeah. This guy's making Vanilla Ice look like DMC. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get this yeah. guy and that shit at all. But you're talking about like white rappers. It just reminded me. I saw last week in the paper that uh, some senator. What the hell is his name? I even wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. I think it was Senator uh, Mark Warner something from Virginia. Uh-huh. He's part of this petition to get Justin Bieber deported from the U.S. Yeah. Now look, I, I'm, I'm no fan. Listen, I'm no fan of Justin Bieber. I'm no fan of that music. But you know what? At least that kid comes here and he generates millions and millions of dollars of revenue for this country by his, by, you know, by playing concerts here. He yeah, wants to deport true. people. Let's get some of these illegal immigrants that are freaking fucking the system dry and not contributing okay. nothing. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I signed it too as a goof, like to get him out of here because I just yeah, yeah. music. But I mean, this is what our politicians are concerned about getting just. Let's get Justin Bieber out here. Never mind that he's employing thousands of people in this country through his concerts and give yeah, bringing millions yeah. of dollars of revenue. But let's keep those illegal Mexican immigrants that are cutting the Grass and not paying any taxes. Let's let's keep them in this country. Yeah, well, because they're working for his 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 boys <laughs> who run those little uh, what do you call it? Those little uh, yeah, you know, those little gardening uh, uh, companies. You know, landscaping companies. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, word. it's all right. We're not a political show. But I just found that I haven't seen grass in fucking uh, three months. So I don't know what grass looks like. Oh, you got to move to Colorado. Shoveling now. Huh? <laughs> I know. I can't wait to have this with the man. Oh. And what else is going on? Oh, yesterday, uh, Joey Kramer from Aerosmith was out here in Staten Island. Uh, oh. He was at he was at the Costco. Uh, he has a new coffee line, an organic coffee line. So he was out here yesterday. And, you know, Costco is always packed on a Saturday no matter what, but half the people in there are like over 65, 70, they didn't even know who he was, you know. But yeah, yeah. there were quite a few people waiting in line. Sweetheart of a guy. Didn't have no problem making small conversation with everybody. Didn't make everybody feel rushed, like, you know, just come here, buy my coffee, get out. He right. was signing everything anybody brought. To. He don't care if it was your girlfriend's tits, you know, uh, albums. People had cymbals, drum heads with them. Signing everything, you know, really uh, nice guy. Nice. Nice. And, uh, and then, then it pushed, like, to buy the coffee. When Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley were out here about two months ago, it was like... It was like a procession. It was like an assembly line. Sign the book, yeah. sign the book, get out. Sign the book, sign the book, get out. No pictures yeah. were allowed, nothing. I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. Especially when you allow, a certain, you know, they said we're only going to allow 150 people in for a kiss. So you know it's only those 150 people. So take a picture for a second. So I right, listen, have, you know, take the picture, but then we got to move on because we want everybody to get in here, you know, to meet everybody. Yeah. You know, don't make people wait on line for fucking eight hours and not even take a picture with them. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, come on. No, like, they care if their name is in a book or not, you know? Remarkable, remarkable. I know. What are you going to do? All right. Well, let's get us some music over here while we wait for call to call in. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking, we've had the Rods on the show three times since we've been on the air six years now, uh, between Rock and Call himself. There's three times. looking like who we had the most on the show, and Testament kind of wins that. We've had all the different members of Testament on about nine times. So uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Hey, the good news is Block Talk Radio is finally moving into the 21st century. At the end of March, they're finally going hi-fi. They're finally going to have CD-quality sound. The oh letters were God. sent out. Yeah, it's, uh, they said at the, at the end of March. So at end of March, <laughs> first week of April, it's going to start rolling out to every show. So finally, yeah. this is going to sound like a real radio show, not like a transistor AM radio anymore. Yeah, well, that's good, man. Yeah, Absolutely. who knows what the bill is going to be after that? I was that, just going to say, they're raising the price now. <laughs> yeah, first they get you with that. They're like, oh, by the way, I hope you like the sound, but it's going to run you another $30 a month. <laughs> you know, so. 
who knows? We'll see what happens. But I can't wait. It'll be nice to actually hear the show, show sound like a real radio show, you know? Yeah, yeah All right. Well, let's get some music on here. Here you go. This is Axe Victim, Man of the Dark. <laughs>
Well, you know, as if the Holy Empire wasn't good enough on CD, it's out on vinyl now also. And, and I have to thank uh, Phoebus who gave me a copy of it. It just sounds great. To, you know, I love the sound of vinyl. Nothing's better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> oh, man, I'm glad more and more bands are putting it out again and more and more people are buying it, which, you know, hopefully will put some money back into the band's pockets, you know, so they can keep this going. Because, you know, people just get everything for free today. So, unfortunately, you can't bootleg vinyl. You can't download, you can't download vinyl. Yeah, because when you copy it, it's not going to have the same uh, the dynamics. That's right. Well, that was the City Walls of Troy. Off that record. Go pick it up if you haven't. It's an album. Uh, you know, uh, Carl's going to be calling in in a few minutes, so uh, maybe we'll just hang out. Maybe Should I play a Rod song before he calls in? Yeah, they're not that long, the songs, right? Yeah. Nah, we'll get something off about four or five minutes, then Carl should be calling in. Sounds good. Sounds good to you? All right, sounds good to me, too. Yeah. I'll, I'll go take a leak while uh, I'm playing the song, too. Excellent. Clean out the bladder a little bit in the kidneys, you know? Definitely, definitely. All right, here you go, the rods.
<laughs> the Raws are violation. The Raws are just pure balls out hard rock, man. They just deliver the goods. And we saw them last year at the Old Bridge uh, Militia show, and they were fucking phenomenal, I got to say. So we're just going to wait for a call to call in. Hey, Tommy, do you think that Rock ever gave uh, Richie Blackmore the Malolokio for stealing his whole band when he formed Rainbow? No. <laughs> no? Yeah, he got the short end of that. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> you know you won't get two guitar players in that band. No, uh, at least not Richie Blackmore. <laughs> <laughs> not with him. You know, Rock is an amazing guitar player, and uh, the Rod's been delivering it for a long time now. So we'll just wait for call. I just saw before that our good friends in Attacker, they, I was looking forward to seeing them next week. They were going to be opening up for Metal Church right. uh, at, at St. Vitus, but uh, our good friend Bobby led the lungs Lucas. He's got some medical problems again. The same stuff. It's just recurring on him. Uh, so they had to cancel those couple of shows. Plus, the bass player, John Heyman, uh, parted ways with the band. So they're going to be working on the new record while they, I guess, look for a new bass player. And Bobby gets a little better, you know, to do the live show. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing those guys in the summertime again. I-, I can't wait. It's been a while. Hey, you know what? We got Carl on the line, so let's connect him. Say hello here. Carl, how are you? This is Mike, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? I- I'm doing fantastic. I got my partner, Crime Tommy, sitting next to me over here, too. How are you doing, Carl? Good, Tommy. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. Hey, Carl, it's great to have you on here today. We were just talking, and we saw you guys last year in New Jersey with Twisted Sister and Anvil and T.T. Quick, and, man, it was great to see you guys come down this way again. You know, we don't get to see you in the city too often anymore in New Jersey, you know? And it's a shame because we love it, and the fans are great. But that was a great show, and it was like like a reunion of sorts, and everybody was there for a great cause, but it was a fun show, I thought. It really was. You know, when people say that, you know, the scene is kind of dying or, you know, you can't get people to the show, just look at what it was like that night. The place was packed and everybody, everybody was having a great time. And it felt like the old days where you went to a place to hang out with your friends and see great bands, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the camaraderie backstage was was really nice. I mean, some of us hadn't seen each other in a while. And, um, you know, it was just, it was great. Just really, just enjoyed it. Plus, some of us had do see each other, you know, as often as we can. It was just nice to get together. And, you know, for me, too, it was great to uh, see the guys in TT Quick and, uh, you know, reconnect. And as a result, you know, I'm finishing up my solo album, and, you know, Mark Tornillo was nice enough to come up and sing uh, a couple songs on my album. So that was great. Great night. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, you worked with TT Quick back in the day on the EP. And, you know, Mark would accept now, so that's pretty cool. So uh, I was just going to ask you, too, about a solo record. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Is this something that we're going to get this year? I'm hoping for July. I'm just uh, in the final stages here, and uh, I think I'm, I'm shooting for July. That's what I'm, I'm really pushing for. So I think it's realistic. That's great. I'm glad you got a solo record coming out, but I was hoping for a Killer Coast reunion this year. I guess it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, the uh, bass player for that from from Kalakis is oh, Kalakis. actually I, I got Kalakis. Yeah, well, it's fine. Doesn't matter. That was a big joke anyway. Was the hell? It was the uh, guitarist's middle name, and he was a little bit not that he was egoed out, but he was like, I really want this to, you know, my middle name. I'm like, that's the worst name, dude, that ever yeah, came really? on the plug. Yeah, really. He was like. No, I think it's a great name. I'm like, that, that's a screwed up name. But anyway, I got the old two tracks out and had them transferred and sent them to Link, the bass player. And he's been working on the, uh, on remixing the songs, you know, modernizing the, the tracks and whatever. So there's going to be a new Colacus reissue pretty soon. So I know everybody's wow. going to be looking forward to that. 
that that'll be funny. <laughs> hey, let's let's talk about the solo record here. What, what did you come up with for this album? I mean, uh, did you try anything different, or you keep it like in in the vein of the Rods, a good hard rock album, or did you experiment a little bit? Um, you know, I, I was thinking about what this album is because what I did was I wanted it to be songs that there are a couple of songs I wanted to remake that have been recorded by the Rods. I wanted to redo those songs. There are also new songs I've written that weren't really Rod's type songs. Um, you know, they could they could be, but you know, that just really hadn't introduced them to the band. And uh, and I wanted to own all the songs. I wanted to have written all the songs um, musically and lyrically and all the melodies. So I wanted everything to be 100% mine, and uh, also to own them because a couple of the old songs I wanted to redo. Um, actually didn't own the publishing on, so I wanted to make sure I owned all the publishing, and uh, so I just that's kind of the criteria I used. And uh, some of the songs, <clears throat> excuse me, there are a couple that are really heavy, like super heavy. Black Sabbath, just heavy as hell. And uh, and then you know some are a little less. I'm not saying they're not heavy. The whole album is kind of heavy, but uh, you know, I guess people will have to hear it and see. I was just. See where it goes. See what people yeah. think. You know, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see what people think. But there are a couple songs that are heavier than the rods for sure. Are there any surprise uh, musicians on it? You know, I, <clears throat> that's another thing that you have to excuse me. I'm just getting over this cold that won't go away. Um, this winter's been. You know, bad, everybody. Yeah. I so I tried to. I wanted to keep it. At first, I thought like a lot of people offered and. And it was, you know, I could have a lot of guests on this album. And then as time went on, like, I, I just started thinking that, you know, maybe it's not a great idea to have a lot of guests. Okay. And um, so then I started p- pulling back on that. And, you know, thank you, but, you know, maybe next album. And as it stands now, I mean, what we have is we have Mark Tornillo singing, Joe Camo singing um, a couple of songs. There's a possibility that there's a group that uh, – you know, we did some dates with in Europe who may, you know, do something on the album. I won't name him as yet, but, you know, he he's a strong possibility that may do one of the last songs on the album in terms of singing. <clears throat> Chris Caffrey from uh, Sabotage, Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra, yeah. he did a couple of solos that are just smoking. And uh, John Hahn from the band Harpo, and, of course, John Hahn is, uh, you know, well-known because he was a Mike Varney discovery and has done solo albums for... Leviathan, and I played, actually, I played drums on John's first solo album, and, uh, you know, he's he's returned the favor in spades to me, because he took all my guitar riffs, and took everything that I played, <clears throat> excuse me, and he just upped the the, uh, the game, you know, took them where I couldn't have taken them. Okay, cool. cool. That's amazing. Well, you know, Carl, when you talk about, like, putting this together, and working, like we were saying, with different musicians, I saw, like, with Thresh, when you had a whole bunch of people come in and play on different songs, when you're doing something like that with your own stuff, I mean, do you want to kind of have like a consistent band so you can kind of like get your vision or is it more difficult when you have so many different people coming in to play different songs or trying, you know, and kind of trying to accomplish what you want? I mean, we all know that you work behind the scenes, you know, you're like producing engineering, so you kind of got that down, but is it harder with different people coming in to kind of get the sound you want? Um, it's harder in that I'm probably more sensitive than I was in the, the old days. You know, in the old days, I'm like, screw this. This is what you have to do to make this work. And now I'm more diplomatic. You know, I appreciate people's effort. I respect the talent. And so, you know, that's, that was another thing that I 
brought in a couple of local musicians and tried to work with them. And what I found was that it was more difficult to explain to them. In some cases, it was just easier for me to play like a bass part or whatever than it was to actually kind of work with them. And some of the other people I may have brought in as guests, I probably wouldn't have wanted to give them too much direction because I think it would have been maybe insensitive of me or insulted. It, they should have their own freedom, their own vision to express themselves. But it, like you're saying, it may not have fit with my vision of where I wanted to go with the album. And that's what John Hahn did. And John was incredibly respectful of keeping my parts. And, um, you know, it was like Ronnie Dio when he came in and he sang the code, you know, which I was like, he, he, Ronnie could have done anything he wanted to my song. And he elevated it far beyond what certainly what I had as a demo that I sang. But he was very respectful of maintaining where I was going with it and the basic melodies that I had. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes when you're working with people, especially nowadays when you kind of send people things and you can't micromanage them and you're not face-to-face, -face, you, you just, it's difficult to do. So, yeah, so I, I also decided to maybe back off a little bit on guests just because my experience locally showed me that people maybe don't get that same vision and, therefore, if I send it off to somebody and they send it back, how can I say even a dude, you did a great job, but it doesn't work for my album, so I'm not going to use it. I just didn't want to be in that situation. Sure. Do you think, uh, do you think a lot of the chemistry is missing today with bands due to the fact that a lot of them aren't near each other anymore where they can get together to rehearse here and there, play where, you know, you see bands where you have a member in Europe, somebody's in California, somebody's in New York, and they do everything through the Internet now and, you know, trading files. Do you think you lose kind of like that, you know, that chemistry, that camaraderie that you have? by being together? I mean, I know you guys have been together 30-something years, so it's kind of there no matter what, but for a lot of newer bands, it's not. Well, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I think there is something that gets lost in the translation. I do think that with regard to us or a band who's established, and we all, like in the Rods, we understand and have done tracks where I've done a, maybe David has written a song or I've written a song, sent it to them, they put down a click track, I played the drum track, sent it back to them. There are two songs on the Vengeance album that we did that way. And they're both really strong tracks. But we've been working together so long that we know what works for the Rods. We also have a chemistry that like, we play a certain way, and that's how it works. I mean, there's only, we're only going to bring a certain thing to the Rods. So it fits. With a younger band <clears throat> or just musicians getting together, the level of musicianship has grown so much in the last 30 years. I mean, musicians are phenomenal. Very young players who play at a level that you wouldn't have seen maybe 30 years ago when we first started. But there is something that, that to be said for when you um, get into a room and everybody's jamming because you're playing off each other. You're feeding off each other. And I, I think that gets lost in that translation. I mean, not that there isn't a high level of musicianship, but the idea of taking a song from point A to point B kind of gets lost because you're locked into an arrangement, a tempo, and a key, you know, for the most part. So I agree that some of that's lost. Yeah, I because mean, I'm saying that when you're in a room playing together and you're working on some new material and maybe you hear something with the guitar or the bass, you can make a suggestion right there, work it out, get the feel for it. Sometimes one of you guys just come up with something spontaneously where that kind of you can't kind of do that when you send the taste back and forth because... That, that, that's not there. And I hear it in a lot of music. And like you said, the quality is so amazing today for some of these bands that you don't even notice it. But it, it is kind of lacking on some of them. And, and it's a shame. But I understand, you know, this isn't the 80s anymore. You know, and it's, it's harder today. So bands are just trying to keep relevant to play. 
So it kind of happens. But did you think all these years later that you, Rock, and Gary would still be playing together if you go back to 1980? Yeah, I never – I don't know that I actually have projected out that far. But, no, it's, it's amazing to me, I guess, A, that we still like each other and play well <laughs> together. But I guess it's also that the fans still support us more than we ever thought because we really were in a situation where our management was less than stellar – and basically, it told us point blank, people don't really like give a shit about the rods, and uh, that was kind of where it went. You know, people don't care about the rods, and and used to kind of tell us we sucked was basically what the, <laughs> the gist of the comments made. So there was a period of time until the internet when people started contacting us via email from around the world and saying, you know, we were rods fans and we we had this album. Even going to Brazil, we had no idea that the Wild Dogs album had done as well as it had done in South America. We had no idea. So after all these years, to for us to play with the kind of energy we play with and still play, write the songs we write, and basically kind of be like we were when we first started, it's great, and I, I appreciate every time we get together and every gig we do now. So, no, I guess I didn't think we'd be together, but I'm really grateful we are. And yeah. I'm really grateful we get to meet the, these fans that we never got to meet in the early days. That's true. It's always a good thing. It lets you know that, you know, hey, people still care about the rise, regardless of what your management said back in the day. And, you know, it's like early on, like, especially back in the 70s and 80s, you know, record companies were king. Everybody wanted to get signed to a major label. You know, they figured that was like, you know, the key to success and then the stardom. You guys hooked up with Arista Records early on. But did you find out then that, you know, getting signed to a major label or any big label isn't what it's cracked up to be? Because it seems like Arista dropped the ball on you guys completely back in the day. <clears throat> well, initially when we were signed, we were signed to Areola America, which was the Bertelsmann Group, which was a German label, which was well-versed in heavy music at the time. And they got us, and they understood how to market us. But what happened was there was a buyout and a merger, and what happened was Arista then became it became Arista in America. Okay. So, so Arista, actually, we were one of the bands that they picked up, and they had Crocus on that label, and they oh, picked us right. up. So I remember the first Crocus album, Ariola, right? right? But see, Crocus, being from Switzerland, had a European base. So when it came time for tour support, et cetera, Crocus had a base in Europe that got it and released those funds. In America, Clive, like, the, one of the meetings that was... You know, Air Supply got these big rocks that lit up, and Air Supply got, like, you know, every dollar they'd ever asked for. And, you know, Letha Franklin got her stuff, and we got nothing. So it was just they didn't – we weren't the right band for that roster. So, But initially, we would have been in a, in a good place with with the label. But as it turned out, you know, at the last minute, Air Supply picking us up. But it was not where we were headed, and – you know, it was a stroke of luck that was probably not the most fortunate for us. Right. And, and, you know, people don't realize, uh, you know, back then, I mean, like, you know, bands today, they pretty much have complete control over the music. Back then, you know, you kind of did, with the, you know, Red Company get you. They'd want to tweak your sound, change the way you <clears> look, you know, put this out. And, you know, you counted on them for, like, your tour support. I mean, was it, was, is it a big thing? Was it a big thing back then, like, get, having the pay to no. get on tour? Because that's kind of common today, but was it big back then, too? Well, you know, I think what you're saying about going back to what you're saying about the label, it was a bottleneck. And I'm sure that young bands today probably don't even understand that because there's total freedom and, uh, in terms of your, your music and how, what you do. 
But yeah, there was a. If you didn't have a label, you basically couldn't do it on your own. The, the DIY thing was not happening because you couldn't. It was all in the pipeline. If you didn't plug into a distribution system, you weren't going to sell any product. You weren't going anywhere. You didn't have the dollars. You didn't have support. But um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. What was the other point you had made about? Um, oh, so you know, like a lot of bands today, they have to. Pay to play in clubs, you know, buy tickets, oh, sell tickets, pay, yes, pay to get on tours, you know, like was, tours. It was happening back then, and I mean, that was one of the big things for us that happened was ACDC had requested us after the Iron Maiden tour to do the uh, tour with them in Europe. And I think it was 60 grand. UK, Arisa UK came up with the money for us because they recognized how valuable it would be. But in America, Arisa was like, we're not putting up any money. And as a result, our management said, you know, we're not going to borrow any money, which we, were, we wanted to do. Let's borrow the money. Let's do this. It'll help put us over, cement us, you know, our following, and, and let's do this. And, you know, our management said no way. And so we couldn't do that tour. But at that time, it was a pay, pay for play to get on the bill. We were just fortunate enough that uh, we weren't being asked to pay very much money for that tour. But it was happening even then. Yeah, I guess something's never changed. Buy on. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, exactly. You know, recall the mid-'80s, Let the Meat Metal comes out. That was the last record with the three of you guys together. A year or so later, Heavy Than Thou comes out. Sammy's now singing with the band. What made you guys want to mm-hmm. change from going from a three-piece of rock? I love Sammy. We've had him on the show, I can't tell you how many times. We love talking with Sammy. I always tell him that if he was in Israel back in 1967, the Six-Day War would have been won in five days. He's just one of those guys. <laughs> What happened with the band well, at that yeah. point that you went and added more members to the and plus uh, uh, Gary was out. I think Craig Gruber was playing with you at that time. That's right. Um, you know, what had happened at that time was I had gotten into producing and I was just going to say earlier when we started the interview about Jack Starr's album being uh, re-released. But yeah. We can come back to that. But uh, So Jack Starr had brought Schmulich to America then Jack Starr brought him to me in Cortland. And uh, so Schmulich wound up living in my house and uh, for quite a while. And so we just became friends. So now he's living with me. We're roommates. And uh, we're, we're working on some material. And Gary's on the road with Kim Simmons, who had also actually lived in, in my house for a while when he, had, he was around. And uh, so now they were out on the road together. So Gary wasn't available. Schmulich and I were living in the same house, and we said, you know, it's time to make another album. Let's, you know, we have this material. Let's do this. And it was funny because I initially I don't believe it was my idea to have Schmulich sing, even though we were together. I think David was the one who was thinking he really wanted to have a voice that took those songs to a different level. And when he heard Schmulich sing one song, I think it was, he can sing everything love his voice, he can sing everything. And that's kind of how it wound up. It really wasn't so much me pushing it. David was the one who kind of wanted to step aside and have a voice that could elevate the songs a little bit, take them a different place. It was a great record. I didn't even know he lived with you. Did he live with you for a long time? You know, Schmulich lived with me for six months or more, maybe longer. Did he leave a lot of matzo crumbs all over the place? (laughs) Pardon me? Did he leave a lot of matzo breadcrumbs all over the place? <laughs> no, no. 
We can joke with Sammy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Cole, back in the 80s, you were like almost a house producer for Megaforce. I mean, Anthrax. I mean, so many bands were EXC, Attila, TT Quick. I mean, you were behind most of those. We talked to Johnny Z last year, and I said to him, what was like the worst record you ever put out on your label? And he said it was the Exciter record, and it was more so because he thought it was going to repeat what the first record did, and he didn't like the drummer. But I, I thought it was a great record. He just felt, I guess, from a, from a business standpoint, it didn't do what he expected it to do. But who was, like, right. the most difficult band to work with back then? I mean, you had oh, a lot of winners me, on the list. Let me just tell you, I, I love Johnny. And Johnny is, you know, Johnny is the best. And I, and I love John. And I have a new band I just produced called Black Tie Stereo. And uh, I'm just about to market them, you know, to shop them. And uh, I had gone to Johnny recently to discuss some of my marketing plan. And uh, he, he's just the best. But he came into the studio when we were working with Dan Beeler, and I love those guys. And uh, Dan was singing, and Johnny just did not like Dan Beeler's vocals, I don't think. I don't think he got it. But we still laugh about this because Johnny's lying on the floor in front of the console. So we can't see him. And we're working, and Dan's out there singing, and he's going by. And I hear music stops, and I hear this, Zimba, 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 Zimba. <laughs> What the hell is he singing? What the hell is Zimba, Zimba, What the hell is he singing? Like he's got a compressor in his voice. And Johnny goes off. And, you know, and, and when you're producing, you have an artist who's out there really burying their soul. They're giving you everything they can give you. The last thing you want is, is to have a bad vibe in the control room. But, you know, we had to call it. And, you know, Johnny was like, I don't understand the lyrics. And, you know, Johnny had – and Johnny's actually a very – Obviously, I mean, his track record speaks for itself. A knowledgeable guy and knows what's up. And, and uh, he, he just had some, I don't know, he just wasn't 100% on that record for some reason. But um, I love those guys. But back to who's the most difficult band? Yeah, or the most difficult guy in a band. Or was it one whole band in general, mm-hmm. just one member of a band that you said, I can't wait for this to end? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Probably Anthrax. Is, but am, I, am, am I going to say it? Like, you know, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> you can say I mean, it. Anthrax. No, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not even going to, you know. I'll lower the volume. Nobody will hear it. I know. Listen, nobody will, nobody will hear this. I know. Um, you know, over the years, you know, you look back on things. I mean, I think my most painful, if I can say it, is that. My most painful thing was, I, I think that... Um, was probably after working on three records with Anthrax. And in the early days, Johnny didn't have money like for Anthrax on the last album. I paid the per diems for the whole time we were working. So we brought in, so I paid for those out of my pocket. I was reimbursed eventually, but I paid, like, I did a lot for the band, and they probably weren't aware of it, and I didn't make them aware of it at the time because, you know, not the point to do something like that. But I read things after initially that, you know, oh, it took a long time. And I don't think that, I think it was a little bit pearls before swine. I don't think they realized that they were not quite as tight as they thought they were. And that that was part of my trying to let them grow a little bit and and hear things and focus on how to be tighter. And of course, having to tell them, and I thought I was really proud of them. I mean, when I told them about their singer after a week of trying to work with the guy, you're going nowhere with the singer. You're not going to go to a major label with this singer. This guy is just not going to do it. And really, they, I told, they said, well, you tell Johnny. And I told Johnny, and Johnny said, let me talk to the band. And they all went in the conference room, and then they came back in and said, Johnny wants to talk to you. And Johnny said, put him on a bus. And that was a ballsy move for a group of guys, you know, really ballsy. 
And I always thought, you know, those guys had that uh, go for the throat. They knew what they wanted. They came in from day one. Um, but I think reading initially some of those things that uh, they felt that, you know, it took a long time. And then later on I read that Charlie had said that, you know, I was the one who kind of captured them in the early days. And I think he maybe realized that the effort I put in. But initially, after I'd done the three records and they'd had some success and it helped get them from point A to point B, um, to, to hear some of that, I was like, hmm. It was a little rough to hear. Yeah, well, you know, that was a chaotic time, too, I mean, within the band, because Dan Loco, the bass player, was on the way out. Neil Turbin got the boot at that point. You know, I think Matt yeah. Fallon came in for a little while. Matt Fallon was out before Joey Belladonna was in. So if people don't realize it's not the chaos that can go on behind the scenes to get a record out. I, I don't think people do. I mean, the average person doesn't realize that. And they got rid of Matt, and, you know, it was sad for Matt. I know it was upsetting to him to go and then they were stuck with no singers so now we were in the out in the studio with tracks recorded ready to do vocals and they had no singer so fortunately you know i put out the word and duck mcdonald said you know check this guy out and found joey and we brought him in and they loved him and you know rest is history on that but it was right. a very ballsy move for a band because there they were they had an album to deliver and they fired the lead singer so now what not yeah, many people what? not many bands would would do that that took guts that's true. You know, Matt Fallon got double shafted because then he was with Steel Fortune. Those guys kind of turned into Skid Row down the road, so he got it twice. Yeah, that's too yeah. bad. He was a nice guy. I've, I haven't heard from him since then. He probably hates me because I said he wasn't going to cut it, you know, but uh, had to be honest yeah. for the band. Yeah, he's, he's been missing an action. You know, a lot of people forget that in the very early days, you were also a part of Manowar in the very beginning. You played drums on that demo tape. Uh, yeah. did, what happened with that? Was it, did they fit you for a loincloth back then, or did it get to that point yet? <laughs> did, <laughs> <laughs> did you, re, did you repeat that for me, please? I was saying, you were in Manowar in the very beginning. I said, did they ever fit you for a loincloth, or did it get to that point yet with the band? <laughs> More me, than me and Eloy, I think Manowar has, has, Man has a great image. The loincloth image was a great image for them. Me in the loincloth would probably look, have ruined the image because it probably would have looked more like a diaper and then guys would encourage it. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it would have really worked for me in that, that regard. But I have to say that, <laughs> but I have to say that, in the early days, working with those guys, um, and, you know, they're, they're really great guys. I mean, I think Eric and, and Ross were killer, killer guys, great, great guys. And Joey's really, I have nothing but respect for Joey. But in the early days when we were putting those songs together, it was, you know, and you hate to use the term, it was magical, but it was pretty awesome to be there with us working and shaping those songs and hearing them coming together and working on parts and and just seeing where I went, it was it was kick ass. I mean, there was no, you knew that there was no denying the band. You knew with Eric's voice and the band, the songs that Joey and Eric were, um, Joey and Ross were writing with Eric. I mean, it was, you know, they were great songs. Those first first batch of songs. So yeah, you know, it was great to be there. It was great to do the audition for EMI. It was, you know, it just came at a time for me where, you know, I also had the Rods. The Rods got signed at the same time Man of War got signed. It was a case of you have to make a choice. And that's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, Manowar's still going at it today. They're still relevant. They still made a career out of, you know, a career of playing music and making money doing it. I mean, it's probably easy because they yep. have a wardrobe budget. I don't think anyone you know, on a T-shirt, but it saves them a lot of money. In, <laughs> in the early days. In the early days. You know, 
But uh, I wonder, that, does Joey DeMeo have a sense of humor? Um, you know, you have he looks to ask so Joey serious that. all the time. Yeah. He always looks so serious. Well, <laughs> I think I think I think Joey's a really brilliant guy who's very focused. So you know, maybe that's why he comes across looking, yeah. you know. But you know, today it's you can't just be a musician today. You got to be like a carnival barker, a salesman, a promoter. You got to be everything today. It's kind of like an all-in-one job. I mean. You gotta run the run your business, run the band, write the music. It's not like it used to be, where you have all these people on the outside kind of helping you out. You really are on your own today. Yeah. You do. You have to control your career absolutely. Uh, Carl, what's going? On? I, I gotta let you go in a little bit, Carl. But what's going on with the rods for the We know you're gonna have your record this summer. Anything going on with the rods? I know you're on the Sweden Rock Festival. That's a big thing in the summer. Any other shows coming up this year? We are going to Spain for May 18th. The Metal Pounders. Uh, festival, and we're going to, uh, and we're doing July 18th, an outdoor festival in Cortland, New York, which is a free festival. We've done that a few years ago, and it was it was huge, and it was it was great. I mean, really loved it. So, looking forward to doing that. We actually have some other things that uh, hopefully we'll come back and talk about them. We we have some other things going on that we'll be ready to talk about soon for the run. So. That's, hey, Carl, come back on. Bring Rod the next time you want to talk about the rides and come back again when the record comes out. Man, we'll talk the hell up out of it. We'll get all ten people listening to go buy it. <laughs> I have to tell you, this was a very, very amusing interview. I really appreciate it and enjoyed myself. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Carl, guys. It's a pleasure to have you on here today, Carl. You take care of yourself. You too. Take care. Right. Take, take care, guy. Bye-bye. Right. Mr. Carl Kennedy of the Rods. Oh, T, I could talk to him all day because he's one of those guys that you can have a good hey. time with. Really and play, but unfortunately, we only have a two-hour show and another yeah. guest. And unfortunately, somewhere in the middle of that, we got to get Kenny on, too. There you go. So, all right, so let's get something off the Rod's list record. And then Mr. Ken Pierce of PierceMail.com will be calling in with all the weekly concert calendar news. But off the last record, Vengeance from 2011, is Rebels Highway.
I wish we had a three-hour show because I hate when I have to like, cut guests off when I'm having a good interview, you know? Yeah, yeah. It kills me, but I'm just too cheap to upgrade to the next package, man. That's you know, 100 bucks a month. Yeah, but that's a, you know, it's a lot of time to take out, you know? So, you know, short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and then well, you leave them wanting more. We used to have, like, one guest maybe every couple of weeks the first year we won. Then it was, like, one guest a week, then two, sometimes three. So yeah, it kind of, yeah. you know, it, it's hard. You want to give everybody a chance, but you want to talk. And you know what? Some guests we have on here, they don't say a word. It's like trying to extract heat from somebody. So you yeah. can't wait for it then. Then I have other guests you could talk to for hours. And, you know, yeah, you yeah. just never know who it's going to be and, and what you're going to get that day. But speaking of guests, you have Mr. Ken Pierce who's coming on in a minute. Man, I dug up a great one for next week, man. Our good friend T.C. Tolliver, the drummer from the Plasmatics. We've had him on the show before. He's uh, coming back on As well as Richie Stotts uh, The guitar player wow. Richie hasn't done anything In like two or three decades You know wow. And interviews guest So Richie's going to be on the show That's going to be phenomenal So be cool. I'm looking f- Yeah I'm looking forward To next week's show I already spoke to Richie this week He's a funny guy And we're going to have A good time talking with him And also another blast From the past Donnie Hiller the band, uh, From the band Trauma The lead singer Trauma was Cliff Burton's old band They had yeah, one yeah. record Scratch and scream out Donnie's going to be on the show Live next week too So we got a pretty good February huh Excellent, excellent. Not good. You know, I, I have a chance to interview uh, Jack Bruce from uh, from Cream. Really? Yeah, but he like he doesn't fit into what we do on the show. But I mean, it, it's freaking Jack Bruce from Cream. 
So, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to do it. Uh, it's yeah. probably going to have to be pre-recorded because I think the, the line yeah, up yeah, like yeah. over one day. But uh, I was like, how can I not? How can I not be a part of that, you know? Yeah, even though it's not heavy metal, but Cream really is kind of the foundation for heavy metal, one yeah, of the bands. Yeah, so definitely. I think we're going to do that, and uh, I'll let you know when that happens so that both of us could, uh, we'll, we'll tag team them. Wow. Yeah, right? that'll be pretty cool, right? That's uh, uh, a legend right there, man. I know. Well, you know, I, I interviewed Andy Dearest, the lead singer from Halloween, uh, Thursday. Uh, he was doing interviews that day. I was gonna, supposed to get on this week's show coming up, uh, and I had really big... He lives in Spain, so it was a, a conference call connection from here on a cell phone to Germany. From the Germany record office back to him on a cell phone in Spain, it was horrific. I mean, the sound quality was bad, and add BTR sound quality into that, and it's even worse. But uh, Andy had gotten me on Skype uh, about an hour after the interview to try to do it anyway, which was really nice of him. And we had like a 45-minute conversation. It was an amazing interview. But it, it started going into when I started the Metal Matinee on Thursday, and I used Skype to host this show, and it cut off the interview. And it deleted the whole thing. I was so freaking riled up because it oh, never wow. happened before. I was doing it on a separate uh, a line, and that shouldn't have happened. I don't know what happened. I went to Skype, but it says that we don't use third-party apps anymore. I, it's all this technical shit I don't understand, but it, 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 the whole interview stopped recording because of that, and I can't even use it now. And I'm oh, so wow. upset because we had a really good interview. A lot of good shit came out, and I got them talking about a lot of stuff, you know, and <laughs> people. Wait, so I'm, man. like, so twisted. Like, I have to try to do it again, but it's just not the same the second time around, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But you know what? We got Michael Landlow from Adrenaline Mob to fill in, so what are we going <laughs> to Can't complain about that, right? Definitely, definitely. All right, well, let's get Mr. Ken Pierce on right now from PiercingMetal.com. Kenny, how are you, my friend? Ladies and gentlemen, the cheese. I was trying to do my best Ed Sullivan right there. You did a good job. Well, Ed Sullivan introduced the Beatles 50 years ago. That's right. That's right. 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 50 years. years ago this evening. And this is music history, man. That's the, I'm so jacked up about that. It's cause, because music changed with this. Music yeah. changed with this. You know? Sure did. You know, you hear, it did, because, you know, you hear, you hear the, you look at the official records that, that they did and said they sold over 177 million albums. Then you got, like, a rap guy coming out saying, oh, we've surpassed records held by the Beatles. No, you didn't. <laughs> True. Everybody wants to be a star today. No, you didn't. And, hey, that's really good that you're uh, going to interview Mr. Jack Bruce, I hope. Um, you know, he had something called Them Crooked Vultures, and that's a pretty heavy band, too, you that's know. That's true, too, yeah. yeah. If you didn't know yeah. about that one, you might not have, because that, that uh, you know, it might be a little austere for someone like yourself, you know. Yeah, that was uh, Dave Grohl on drums. Yeah. Dave Grohl on drums and Josh Todd. Yeah. Josh Todd, Josh, Josh Holmes. Stones. Well, the request stones? the request came in two stones, weeks ago and I kind of let it go, but I'm gonna have to see if I can jump on it. You know. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one if he uh, if he gives you the nod. You know, I mean, it's, it's oh, yeah. one of these guys that you know everybody in the world wants to talk to him. And uh, well, I want to talk and, to you, so I'm not really interested no, in. No, I don't Bruce. want him to talk to me. I don't have nothing to ask him. <laughs> don't have to ask him anything. Hey, so let's get right down to the nitty gritty on this. Snowy but historic musical evening. Right about an hour from now, the great transatlantic is going to be over at the Highline Bowl, and that is a progtastic masterpiece of sound that features the great Mike Portnoy on the drums with Neil Morse 
Pete Trowabas of uh, Marillion and a couple of other guys who I just don't know off the top of my head, but they are playing tonight at the Highline Ballroom. Should be a very interesting show. Tuesday night, Mike, I know I'll see you there for a performance of The Bunny, The Bear, at the studio at Webster Hall. And yes, I know you're curious. They do dress as a bunny and as a bear. They are a post-hardcore band, which must make all of you legendary hardcore guys cringe when you hear that term. (laughs) (laughs) Sad to announce that I said this last week, though, but it is here that week. uh, The the Pretty Reckless and their Snowcore tour has been canceled in full based on artist illness of the lovely Miss Taylor Momsen, who had uh, pneumonia and needed to stay off the road uh, to get better. So that tour is canceled. But fear not, because over at the studio at Webster Hall, we have We Butter the Bread with Butter, who are playing again. In our Ooh, that's Tommy's favorite band. That's, that's it. Tommy's we favorite butter band. With butter. Uh, and uh, and uh, if Tommy is looking to upgrade the cholesterol, they have a side project called We Butter the Bread with Milkshakes. Ooh. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. goodness gracious. Well, it is a weird name, but I listened to some of the tracks, and it seems pretty, pretty raucous. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go over there if I have some time. On Thursday, the great ten-ton mojo local favorites of our fair city are going to be doing an album release gig over at the Gramercy Theater. That should be fun. If you want to support some bluesy hard rock, go down and see the boys over there. On Saturday, over at Slake, New York City, which is a club that used to be called Rebel, the Brooklyn's own Shinobi Ninja will be performing. That over at Slate, and just be aware that like uh, like like the uh, like the studio at Webster Hall and at the Marlin Room, that the Slate Club also becomes a dance hall after a certain hour. So the rock shows will end on an earlier time than you might be used to. The guys in Blackberry Smoke will be smoking their Southern Rock at Irving Plaza on Saturday, and that, my friends, is all I have for you. Sounds like a busy week, Kenny. You know, it's a busier week than next week. I don't, we don't have a lot going on next week, you know, at all. But I will say that I do have contests going up this week for for the For Today show and for the Moonspell show. So uh, those are on Sunday and on Monday of next week. And, um, you know, over both at the Gramercy Theater. So maybe since there's not a lot going on next week, maybe I won't call in. I'll just leave you both to miss me very, very much. Uh, promises, promises. Yeah, well, I'll do that on purpose and see if uh, <laughs> see if you don't come crying back to me. I'm already shedding the tear, buddy. See? All right, my dear listeners and friends and family from far away, please find Piercing Metal over on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, or right here with the wild mayhemiacs of the Heavy Metal Mayhem Show, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye. All right, you take care, Ken. You know, every year we try to raise money, like either for St. Jude Children's Hospital by raffling off or auctioning off, you know, merchandise by bands. I think this year we're going to do one for Kenny, try to get him better phone service. 
<laughs> Get him a new working telephone. How does that sound? It might it might be a good idea. <laughs> it sounds good? All right, how about we get on a tune right now, and then uh, in about 15 minutes or so, the guys from Hearst Power are going to be calling in live. There's a whole bunch of them, so you know what? We're going to just have to throw out questions. I'll have yeah. a man fan from, you know, fan well, from I'll, I'll just and, yeah, I'll sit back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of too them. Many, so yeah, too many, too many. Too many You know what? Daniel Trigger, great guitar player out of the UK, has okay. a brand new record out called Army of One. He sent me the latest single off that record, Unbreakable. Ooh. So how about we get that on, and uh, we'll see who's calling on the other line right now. While we get that song on here. So uh, let me see. Let me dig that one up. Here you go. Brand new Daniel Trigger, Unbreakable.
All right, Motorhead would kill by death. And if Motorhead do go out on the road and come to your town, go and see the man because this might be the last time, you know? Yeah. Lem, yeah, yeah. Uh, even if Lem stays uh, on the earth, which we hope, he's definitely going to cut down the uh, touring to a, yeah. uh, at least that's what I think. Uh, I, I agree. They can't, he, I don't think his body can handle like going out. I mean, you know, Mordei plays nonstop. I, his body can't handle that no more, I guess. So, you know, when they do go around, maybe they'll do it in short stints, you know, where they're not too far away. And if they do come to the area, because they just canceled the, re, the recent tour over in Europe, and that's going to affect every other tour that was lined up after that. So if they do make it to your area, don't hesitate to shell out that 20 bucks and go see the band because it just might be the last time you see Motorhead Live. So take advantage of it. But you know what? I haven't gone to any shows this year, as far as I can remember. It's <laughs> only about six weeks into it. But next yeah. month, uh, my good friend Steve Gaines and his band Anger as Art. Steve was the lead singer for Abattoir back in the 80s. He's had Anger as Art going for 10 years now. They're making their debut appearance on the East Coast. They're going to be in New York and New Jersey in March on uh, the 26th and 27th. They're going to be out in New Jersey one day and in Brooklyn the next. So oh. I'm definitely going to go hook up with them and visit and see them live. I'm looking forward to that. And they'll be on the show that Sunday before they get here. Uh, you know, to do a little promoting. And, and more importantly than that, Satan is coming to America. I mean, they were in yeah. Canada last year, but they're actually yeah. coming to the U.S. And I never thought I would see that band live, and I didn't hesitate to buy a ticket. 15 bucks. They're going to be playing in Brooklyn. Uh, it used to be the public, it used to be called the Public Assembly. Have you ever gone there? I think it's in Williamsburg mm. or Greenpoint. No, it's, yeah, it's Greenpoint, North 6th. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now it's big, big, bad, big. Big Bear Claw or Big Bear, something like that. It's Big a very Bear small Bar. place. Yeah. Big Bear I, <laughs> I, I saw two weeks ago that uh, they were playing in Philadelphia. Uh, King's, uh, King Sally from uh, then October 31st, uh, they opened up for me. He put it on his uh, webpage. And I okay. saw that. I reached out. He goes, I don't know what other shows they're doing. And then the next day they announced about five other shows in the area. I think they're going to Boston and a couple of other places and back up to Canada. So, you know, getting Brian Ross and those guys here, and they're probably going to do the entire two records because that's all they really have with Brian on vocals. So, man, I am looking forward to that show. It's a Friday night, so I'm taking off from work, and I know you're going. We're going to have a good old time there. Definitely, definitely. A little new wave of British heavy metal in the house, right? The old school, right? All right. Sorry. That's all right. Well, you know what? The guys in Hearst Power are going to be calling in any second. So let's get on a tune by the band to warm us up for that interview, all right? Excellent. Here's a song called Burn My Wings.
I really dig this shit. These guys have got something really good going on. That was Hearst Powell with Burn My Wings. And I believe we have some of the guys in the band on. Let me start connecting everybody and uh, seeing who we have here. Guys, you on uh, there? This is, this is Matt right here. Oh, hello. Hey, Matt, hello. what's going hello. on, buddy? On there? You sure are. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, on what, um, I, I just, I've been having trouble. Viagra isn't or- Well, I let that guy get through by accident for a second there. All right, who's on the air now? Viagra, <laughs> uh, that's all I heard. Oh, uh, we just connected the wrong guy. Hey, Matt, you still there? Yep, still here, Mike. How are you? Uh, good. We, I disconnected the wrong guy. Hang on. Okay. All right. Hello? Hello? Yes? Yeah, this is, um, this is Phil. He's back. <laughs> Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern's I, I, penis. Get the I give fuck credit. I'm sorry, man. We got a lot of crazy people calling us tonight. We kept most of them off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find just the Arizona area code, you know? <laughs> gotcha, yeah. yeah it's always so, Matt, what's going on, buddy? How's everything going? Everything's great here. Uh, Hearst Power is fired up, and uh, we're in the studio. Uh, recording and actually the stuff that you're listening to now is just a pre-production stuff. It's not even ready. We wanted to give you a sneak preview of uh, what we have coming out here in the next couple months. That's cool. I tell you, man, I was saying before, you guys got a real good thing going on here. I mean, this is like, you know, old school meets modern and it's just a great mix of it all together. That's exactly what uh, we're shooting for. Our, Our influences are everything from Iron Maiden to Dio and uh, we're mixing it in with, uh, Modern, you know, modern flavor, and uh, that's what we're trying to hit everybody with, and that's, you know, that's just our writing style, and, and, and it's just from our heart. And it sounds great. Hang on, I have one of your bandmates on here. I recognize the area code. Hey, <laughs> Hello, this is Mike. Who's on the line? Uh, hey, well, I don't know if you can hear us. This is Roy, Fred, Johnny, and Devlin. Hey. Uh, great. You guys hey. roll on one line. Uh, perfect. I listen, I can't see you guys, so I'm going to just throw out questions, and whoever wants to answer it, you know, feel free to jump in. Just announce your name, rank, and serial number before you do. Great. <laughs> All right. I, I, I was just telling Matt how I'm really digging this stuff that you guys got going on here. It's such a great mix of the old and the new. I mean, you guys really combined it together, and you made it work out for yourselves. How did, first, how did the whole band come about? Did you guys all know each other before this started, or did you kind of, like, meet up along the way? Well... Uh, this is Roy. I'm going to let Freddie ta- answer this one, too. Uh, I, I'm Freddie Robinson. I'm a guitar player. Me and jo- Lightning and Johnny Club, were, we've known each other since high school. Uh, we used to play guitar all these years, and we just it just kind of happened one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, I'll turn it back over to Roy. Yeah. They've known each other since high school, pretty much. Okay. Devil and I and Matt are the, the noobs to the band, I guess, but... But I've I've known uh, this is Matt. I've known Freddie uh, for for many years. Uh, Freddie and I, uh, we did some recording with Michael Schenker, uh in uh, 2003, and uh, so we hooked up on that recording. And uh, Freddie's just a great guitar player. And uh, when I had the opportunity, I heard they were looking for a drummer. Uh, I kind of begged them to be in the band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, you guys all come from bands that, you know, were established in Arizona, people know who you were. How is it when you start up a new band? Is it you feel like, you know, I gotta start over from scratch again or is it or, or is the challenge of it part of the fun? 
Well, I say the challenge of it's part of the fun because over a period of time you start to really understand where you want to go with your music. And then you, you know that magic moment when you're playing with a bunch of guys and that light bulb goes off and it's like, man, this is exactly the sound I wanted to play, the kind of music I wanted to play, and everybody just jives together. And sometimes, you know, some bands never find those people, but we were lucky and we just all kind of came together through space and time and the rest shall be written like history. Yeah. <laughs> is that the hardest part, finding, like, you know, a bunch of guys that play, but they kind of all have the same vision and the same direction that, you know, you want to take the band in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, because there's a lot of talent and skill out there, but not everybody has the same musical direction. So it's hard to find a, a, a group of guys that can all agree upon a game plan, see it through, and stick by it. And, you know, they don't take any... Uh, side roads or anything, we all know what it takes to do it, and everybody's dedicated 150, 200%. We give everything we got every time we go out, and and we all get it, but it's taken a really long time to find this group of guys, for me personally, because, my God, I've been, I sing in a lot of bands that were really, really good, but they had that same fatal flaw, and we seem to have a really good equilibrium in this band. Everyone's everyone's really good to go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we're, we're we're all we're all on the same page, and and uh, also we really really enjoy each other's company, and, and we get a good laugh, and uh, we all get along great, and that's also hard to find. That's yeah. true. That's today. Next month, when the first guy leaves the thing, you'll be talking shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any, nobody that even this band. That's no fit for this band. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys are out in Arizona. How's the scene in Arizona for like a, a band starting up? Is it pretty vibrant out there, or the Arizonians think they're better than everybody else because they don't have to do with daylight savings time? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna let Devlin answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He has no comment. Yeah, Devlin has no comment. <laughs> well, I'll say this is Matt. Uh, we have a, we have a really really uh, killer metal scene here. Uh, a lot of great bands, uh, really, really vibrant scene. Uh, a lot of up-and-coming bands. Uh, I've been in one. <laughs> uh, but this band that I'm in now is, uh, first part, I'm just the most excited. Uh, I think uh, this band is going to be something special. And uh, But as far as the scene here, a lot of great bands, a lot of metal bands, hard rock bands. And uh, a couple of years back, there really weren't that many. And I think that... Uh, the state of Arizona and mostly the Phoenix area definitely has a, a, a great metal scene right now. Well, how would you guys describe yourself? You can describe yourself as a traditional metal band because, you know, there's a little bit of everything you guys offer in your songs. Yeah, metal is kind of a broad spectrum word these days. And talking with the younger crowd, it's like, metal? Okay. Uh, yeah, we're kind of like a, a classic mix of like Aerosmith meets Black Sabbath meets Iron Maiden, and and but we still kind of want to keep the uh, a heavier edge to it because we're all beat up and bruised and been here and done it for a long time. So that's kind of like the, our whole thing is uh, having a classic feel but having some heavy rhythms with it too. And, and also the, the guy the guy who's talking Roy Roy has a uh, he, he he does all the graphics you see. He does the logos. He's a very talented graphic artist. But Roy uh, comes from a comic book background as well. So uh, he has that real 70s 
side, and his writing comes from, from a real, real dark side. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I do comic books. I was in the comic book industry for about 20 years now. And my first comic book I ever worked on was Spawn, believe it or not. Right out of graphic design school, I got hired on Todd McFarlane. Worked there for two and a half years. And then went on to Chaos Comics and worked there for, oh gosh, six, seven years at least. And then did independent comic books and been doing stuff ever since. And movie stuff and, yeah, and I'm a cool man. <laughs> yeah, we always got to go back to that. You know, I feel him breathing on my shoulder. <laughs> Where'd you come up with the name of the band from? Because the first time I heard it, I thought it was Horsepower. Yeah, I, okay. I, 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 I sent Mike a picture of a hearse. I sent Mike a picture of a hearse to make sure he knew what it was. <laughs> well, Zang, Shut up, man. Don't you question. There you go, man. Johnny Lightning, uh, what it was, we had uh, another group of people, and uh, the name was kind of taken, so we waited until we got rid of a certain couple of people and tweaked the name a little bit, and it just gave us more of a, of an outlet of the designs and stuff. Uh, Roy was really happy with the change, and that's all that. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that. Well, let's talk about the record. I know you guys are working on your first record. Uh, is this something that you guys are going to try to do on your own and put out on your own, or are you looking to shop it around to a label, or do you already have one? Well, we we got a lot of people that are interested in it, and there's a lot of people helping with it, helping us. But right now, we're pretty much recording it on our own, and uh, just to get all our scratch tracks down, so we do go into a real studio, and hopefully, we will be doing that very shortly. We got some people that are, who are looking into, but. Uh, most of what you're hearing is recorded at our own place here, and for the time being, I think that's doing us pretty well. We got a lot of money that we get a lot of work done. Uh, that's the most important thing: is saving money, especially when it's coming out of your own pocket. I mean, do you find that today, like labels, even before they look at you, they kind of want you to have your own product already done because they just really want to be distributors more than people that are backing up the band financially. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much the way it is nowadays. You need to have something marketable, ready to hand people, um, or, you know, and, and, and someone of a, a decent following is are pretty much not interested these days. That's just the way it is. That was Devlin. Thank God. <laughs> is that, you think that's the hardest part is generating interest in, in the band or in any band that you're in, or just getting people to take notice of you? Absolutely. Well, I think, yeah, this, this is Matt. Uh, it, it, you have to stand out from the crowd. I mean, there's, there's, 100,000 metal bands out there, and uh, to rise, to rise, you know, to rise to the top, you really have to just push yourself and put yourself out there, and uh, and just be recognizable. So that's that's what we're going for. And uh, as well, we'd like to uh, hit the road and get in front of as many people as we can on the way, and spread our music out, and hopefully some people will take notice and and uh, we'll take off. Yeah. Well, what do you do today to promote the band? I mean, do you guys, like, focus strictly on the Internet and the live shows or, or that means of doing it? Is there any way outside of the Internet to promote a band today nationally, if not just, like, regionally where you are? Oh, yeah. This is Roy. I think I can answer this one pretty well. I think the fortunate thing, I can't say this for a lot of other bands, but you have to use some ingenuity. Um, you got to have a strong willpower. you got to be thick-skinned, but you just got to – 
you know, know what you want and don't take no for an answer. Anything can be done. And the fortunate thing with our band is we have a couple different media outlets to our disposal that we've not even brought to public yet. Like I said earlier, I do comic books. The band is kind of the whole feel and the, let's just say, personas of who we are when we are playing because we all kind of turn into different people when we grab our instruments and start playing. Um, is kind of of a macabre feel. The comic book industry that I work in is more of the thriller, horror, sci-fi end. So it all ties together. So we have a comic book outlet. We have comic books that are going to be coming out, myself and the band soon, that we're working on. Plus, uh, I've I've done a lot of stuff, not to shoot my own thing. It's just we have a lot of uh, creative uh, people in the movie industry and comic book industry that really like what we're doing. So for us, fortunately that works perfect. Not a lot of other bands have that, but marketing and that's, that's hard. A lot of it takes money. If it doesn't take money, you got to search for an in. Uh, yeah. My covered most of that. <laughs> we'll give away a lot and of as well, And as well, uh, you know, great shows like yours, uh, a lot of uh, internet blog shows, uh, hitting those uh, as many as possible. And uh, you're actually the first person that we, that, that I had contacted uh, because I know that uh, you're you're pretty much a, a metal scholar, Mike, and we wanted to, to get the word out to you so you could get out you know get the word out to everybody. Man, I appreciate that. I almost feel bad for you coming on here first. <laughs> I feel like I set your career back about five months. <laughs> well, we, we were, you know we we were on. You're the first person I contacted. We were on a show out of New Mexico uh, last week. Uh, yours is the biggest show we've been on so far. So. Hopefully, uh, you know, all 300 people will, uh, will tune in. That's right. Hey, I, I can tell you this. you got 13,361 listening now live, so that's a few more than that's Arizona. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. everybody. And, and I hope some of them become fans of the band. And as far as the New Mexico thing goes, most people they don't know that's one of the states, so that's okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and listen, I mean, I, I, so I only got a few minutes left in the show, guys, and I want to get on another tune for people to hear. So tell me, what do you guys okay. got coming up as far as live shows go? Where can they find you on the Internet to keep up to what's going on? And when do you think we'll see this record? Will it be 2014? Yes. Yeah, Matt, you want to answer that in more detail? You, you're the yeah, sure. Uh, we, have, we, we have some local shows here. Uh, we have one uh, next Saturday. February 15th at Joe's Grotto in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we're hitting that. Then we have one at the Blues Bar uh, coming up. And the best place to find our stuff is, is to go to our uh, Hearst Power Facebook page. And we're going to list all our shows and uh, have links to uh, all the radio shows and, of course, my show here. And uh, that's really the best way right now to get a hold of us because our website uh, isn't out yet. So hit us up on Facebook. Uh, Hearst Power, and that's H-U-R-S-E-T-O-W-E-R, that's Facebook slash Hearst Power, and hit us up there, and also give us a like, and we'd love to hear from everybody. Hey, look, I can't wait, I mean, I I can't wait for this album to come out, when it does, you guys come back on, and we'll play the hell out of it tomorrow for you, I mean, you guys make it here to New York to play Madison Square Garden, I'll be right there for you. Oh, that's great. We will be there. And, And I'll be there, too. All right, guys, listen, the best of luck with the band. I will talk to you soon. I'm going to get on Raising the Dead right now for everybody to hear. Right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. You got it, guys. Take care. Peace.
All right, there you go, Hearst Power. Let's get on one more tune before we run out of time in today's show. I should have had them come on a little bit earlier, but I know we had another guest on here. But here you go, Raising the Dead.
man, that is just such a kick-ass song, Raising the Dead. You know, T, very few new bands really get me going. I show any interest in. But this man, Hurst Power, is definitely not one of them, man. I really dig these guys, and I hope they can make it. And I hope, you know, they just really succeed. Because it's, it's great when you hear a band with talented guys putting out good music. It just doesn't happen that often anymore. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, great band. And I want to thank them all for calling in today. Matt, Devlin, Roy, John, and Fred. Thank you very much. I also want to thank Carl Kennedy of the Rods. Don't forget, next Sunday night, we've got a great show for you. T.C. Tolliver and Richie Stotts from the Plasmatics. It's like a mini Plasmatics reunion. We should get the Long Island uh, Psychic on here and see if she can resurrect Wendell Williams. We'll have like a oh, full reunion, right? That'd be interesting, yeah. Yeah, we've got to get Teresa Computer on here. Maybe she could channel Wendy, and uh, we'll have like a whole uh, reunion of the band. Yeah, she could throw a guitar to a TV. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, was, I, I spoke with Richie this week, and he's a really cool guy. And this is like the first time he's done an interview in probably 20 years. So I'm looking forward to that. We've had TC on before. We'll have a good time. Also, Donnie Hillier from the band Trauma. So uh, we're going to have a really good show next weekend. This Thursday on the Metal Matinee at 12 o'clock, it is our Valentine's show, our very metal Valentine's. So don't forget to tune into the Metal Matinee. This show is the greatest thing in the world. It saves me from buying my wife like 100 bucks worth of flowers. I just dedicate the show to her, and I'm done. You're so rotten. Eh, it doesn't get any better than that, right? <laughs> All right, well, you know what? Like I said, we've got a great bunch of shows coming up for this month, and even March is starting to shape up right now. We'll let everybody know who's going to be on, as I know. So don't forget to keep tuning in every week. I want to thank everybody. Hey, you know what? I still have five minutes left in the show. I was a little off on the time there. So how about we do one more tune? We wrap okay. things up here today, and uh, it's good to have you back on with me. I missed you the last uh, couple of weeks. Well, uh, you know, different uh, different games come on at different times. I'm sorry, and I don't want to be half and half, you know what I mean? I hear you. I, I hear you. Well, football season's over, so we'll, we got half of them away. You know, half a, lot of games of hockey, are gone. a lot of hockey games on Sunday. I don't know why they yeah. all of a sudden at 7.30 p.m. Yeah, that's all right. So when you hear, you hear when you're not, you're not. Weeks will be, next couple of couple weeks, they were on Olympics. So Olympics are on early in the morning. I'm going to have to yeah, stay no. work to hear some of the, see some of these games. But I hear you. Uh, well, I'm glad anyway. you're back with us again. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm always there with you in the heart. Though. I know, buddy. I know. Always there in spirit. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to wrap things up. This is a band called Venom. Uh, it's not the Venom that everybody knows. The UK, even though they are UK, they're from Manchester. Uh, but uh, wow. it, later, later uh, on, they became uh, the band Rocks, R-O-X. I don't know if you remember them. They were like a new wave of British heavy metal band. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. They had one, they had a, they had one full-length record, a couple of singles, and Violent Breed was a record that came out in 83. But before that, they were Venom. And, I, and they were actually Venom before, you know, the Venom we all like, the Kronos, Mantis, Abaddon Venom. They were Venom before they were, you know, that Venom. And right. I guess the Venom came out that we all know. They kind of changed names not to get confused. But they only recorded a BBC sh- uh, session on the, Friday, on the Friday Rock Show. Right. That's all they ever did. I dug it up out of one of my cassettes a while ago. And for an old cassette, the quality was pretty good. So it's kind of live, I think, because I thought they played everything live back then. Maybe they were lip-syncing, I don't know. And it's a recording. But they did three tunes. This was such great music. And they never carried any of these songs over. It's like when they became rocks, like, you know, redid them or changed right. them. Because rocks wasn't as heavy as these guys were. No, they were a, like girl, like girl, right? Yeah, yeah. But they weren't like a bad a girl, band. Man. They were just a little lightweight, a little light in the foot, you know. Girl. But rocks weren't much heavier, but they were like, you know, classic new wave of British heavy metal sounded band. But this is from the BBC sessions when they were known as Venom, but it's technically the band Rocks. The song is Are You Ready? So sit back, enjoy it. Hopefully the sound quality will come through pretty decently on here because it is from a 30-year-old cassette. But just sit back and enjoy it. And like I said, I want to thank all my guests tonight, Carl County from The Rods and all the guys from Hearst Power. 
And uh, T, I will talk to you next Sunday night, buddy. Uh, good, good night, brother. Take care. Here you go, Rocks. Are you ready? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> and then this is the first of four. It's called Are You Ready?
like us. heavy metal anywhere blogtalkradio.com and heavy metal mayhem Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.